I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings. We like the power of his resurrection part. We don't like the fellowship of his sufferings part. At least I don't. I don't think you do either. Being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after... If that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13 and 14 are very familiar verses here. And notice verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth on those, those things which are before. And verse number 14, if we have a text verse, it would be 14. So let's read that together. Ready? Here we go. Ready? I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Uh, I think of the song of Palmer Hartsog, uh, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. And I want to deal with the subject of being resolved tonight. I want to deal with the subject of Paul, near the end of his life, still had... Unction his soul. He knew he was going to lose his life here soon, probably, but he was going to be beheaded. And yet he had fervency and he had fire in his bosom, if you will, for the things of God and for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't think he did attain, and he probably was the greatest apostle of the, all the apostles that could, that could be disputed, I guess. But, but uh, most theologians would count him as uh, him and Peter would be the two lead spokesmen of the apostles, of course. And, and he did so much for the cause of Christ, but he, he had not, not yet attained. And uh, I preach this message in the context as I, I think of uh, the winter doldrums. It's, uh, these are tough days here, of course, and uh, the days are shorter than ever before. Obviously, it's colder and it's, it's darker longer than uh, any time of the year, of course, and so forth. And uh, I told Sonny, I, I'm already a little discouraged with the weather, obviously, with uh, ice and snow. We, got, we had an early start to the winter. Rather, rather the winter was uh, mild for the first uh, few weeks here, but then it finally hit, obviously, a couple, three weeks ago, and we're in the, we got to remember, we live in Connecticut, after all, in New England, and that's what you get. You get tough weather, but uh, uh, I say that in the context of uh, living a whole life for Christ. Uh, I think of Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher of the, the first Great Awakening, as we know, to preach up here in Northampton, Massachusetts. If you Google his name, of course, he was the, the preacher of the day back in the 1700s, of course. In 1722, he was born and preached at a great revival meeting in, in Enfield. And uh, he, if you just type in, like I did, of course, in Bing or DuckDuckGo, just type in Jonathan Edwards, you'll come up with the, and then type in resolutions. And I just wanted to share with you, he wrote 21 resolutions. He actually wrote 70 resolutions. And I've put them in the shortest synopsis form of what he said. I'll give you the fill-in-the-blank words here in just a moment here. Somebody can figure them out. But... but uh, Jonathan Edwards, I just want to read four of the first 21 revolu- resolutions that he had. And he, here's what he said. He wrote this down when he was in it was July of 1722, for whatever that means. He's a young man. 
He wrote down, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help. I do humbly entreat him to be, by his grace, to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. And I don't need to tell most of you that he was a great, great man of God, of course. And of course, he had 11 children, of course. And, and uh, I don't know, I can't remember how many grandchildren. I didn't Google that and find out. But I mean, uh, literally thousands of offspring of uh, pre- college presidents and doctors and lawyers that, uh, and senators and uh, 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 founding fathers of uh, the lineage from Jonathan Edwards. He was a great man of God. And so he had these resolutions that he had for his 56 years of life. And uh, he, he wrote these 21 resolutions in one sitting. I'm going to read four of them. He said, and he remembered to read over these resolutions once a week for the rest of his life. Here are four of them. This is number 14. I'll start with number, uh, or number, start with number six. Just, just, just hear me for a couple of minutes. Resolution six was resolved to live with all my might while I do live. That he'd live for, with all his heart, soul, and mind for the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words. Uh, secondly, he said, number seven, re- resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. I wish you had time to ponder these for a few moments here. Number 14, he said, resolved never to do anything out of revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, of course. And number 17 was resolved that, uh, that as I will live so, uh, as, I, as I shall wish I have done when I come to die. But number three, and I'll make this be the last one for time's sake. This is a good one. He said, resolved, if ever I shall fall and grow, grow dull, so as to neglect to keep any part of these resolutions. In other words, if I, if I backslide, if I get away from God, that's what he was trying to say. He says, I I resolution to repent of all that I can remember when I come to myself again. It reminds me of Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man falls seven times and rises up again. It's hard to keep your faith fervency for the Lord for an entire lifetime, admittedly. And here we are in the middle of winter here, and, and of course our attendance is slower than uh, uh, it's been in a long time, obviously. And we could blame it on COVID, we could blame it on winter, we could blame it on a number of different things, but... But uh, people are, are cool towards the things of God. They're cooling off. And the songwriter said, I'm resolved no longer to linger or charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have learned my sight. And I will hasten to him, of course. And I want to be found faithful to the Lord. But uh, in this subject of being resolved, you can really take his 70 resolutions, Jonathan Edwards' 70, 21 resolutions, and we boil it down to two little simple statements. Number one, I will live for God. And all God's people said, thank you, thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, I will live for God. And number two, if no one else does, I still will. I think of the song, though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. And, uh, and so I'm going to give you seven simple yet serious, absolutely serious resolves. I think we can find all seven of these in, in the book of uh, of. Philippians, this book of joy, you find the word joy 18 times. And resolve number one tonight here, you may be, have been a Christian for 50 years, 60 years, maybe 10 years, maybe five years, maybe, maybe whatever you fill in the blank here. We got one child here, and uh, Ellie Mae, and maybe she's been a Christian for a year or two. Uh, and uh, then, uh, but uh, everybody's been a Christian for a little while, but 
What should be our resolve going forward here from what's the state, February 2nd, 2022, and renew these things every day, every week, and resolve, and that is it. Resolve number one, Jesus will be my joy. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. The Bible says later on, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Of course, he's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ and the uh, Jesus will be our joy. I asked you a couple of questions this morning, uh, this evening on this subject of resolving to make Jesus your joy. What, what or who brings you joy in your life? What is it that brings you joy? First Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 8, Peter, once upon a time in his life, what brought him joy was going fishing. Remember the story? And he was a fisherman, of course, and he said to six other disciples and apostles in uh, John 21, I go fishing, and Several more went with him, of course, but he realized that, uh, that Christ was his joy, and I paraphrase, but in 1 Peter 1.8, he says, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. When he met the Savior, he was, he was changed from, for his entire life, and the joy that we have in Christ, obviously. Ephesians 3, verses 18, 19, and 20, talks about the, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, being grounded and rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the height and the depth and the length and the breadth, or pardon me, the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What gives you joy t- tonight here? And, you know, I, I have a lot of things in, in my life that have given me joy. I like sports. It used to give me a lot of joy. It still gives me a little bit of joy, but not much anymore. <laughs> Not since everything's gone woke, but uh, uh, I, I still like sports. But uh, joy, it can break your heart sometimes, and your team can lose, uh, Jeremy, and you break your heart. And, uh, and you can't get your, your, your joy from sports. You can't get it from your work. Uh, many of you like to work, and nothing wrong with working. It's better to like work than not like work. But you can't get your joy from work because your work will disappoint you. Hobbies. Uh, you think of uh, habits that you had when you were a kid that you say, I can't believe I wasted that much time playing those crazy games or whatever you did or your hobby and, and not anything wrong with hobby, but they won't give you lasting joy. Your family, your spouse won't give you lasting joy. No offense, Sonny. I'm glad Sonny's finally here tonight here. But uh, you can't, think about it, you can't have, uh, your family will, di- will dis- disappoint you. We're on grandchild number 15, and they, they, I love them all, but eventually they'll start to di- disappoint me when they don't live for the Lord. But it's a great crown of rejoicing when our kids live for the Lord, whether it be our kids or our grandkids, of course. But, but if you put your faith and trust and your hope, hopes of your joy in your family or in your work or in your sports, or all these things will fail you ultimately. Because armor flesh will fail you. And what's, what's our lasting joy? Jesus never fails. He's always there. Even when we don't think he's there, he's always there. And so we have this joy. Make Jesus be your number one joy in your life, your lasting joy, your permanent joy. Make that be a resolve in your life. Number two, or resolve number two, and uh, real simply put here, let love be my language. Resolve that the song says, well, no, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We ought to be knowing, the Bible says God is love. We are his children, and we ought to love. 1 John 3, 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, 
but in deed and in truth. Love is action. Love is doing. Love is kind. We go to 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I have bestowed all my gifts to feed the poor and, and, uh, uh, and have not charity, I am nothing. And charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed off, and is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Think of the love, uh, that love should be our language. Colossians 4, 6 tells us, let your speech be always with grace. Christians ought to speak kindly. You know, this just popped in my head here, just for a record, just for a moment here. Let me just say this here, and I could get in trouble, but it's Wednesday night, so you guys will t- t- understand this here. You know I don't, pr- I don't care for our, the so-called commander-in-chief that we have in our, in our the offices right now. But I, I don't believe that we should, you know, that phrase, I'm just going to say it, that phrase, let's go Brandon. We know the backdrop of what that really, really what that means. And we might smile, we might say, well, that's, that's just the way of saying that we don't, uh, Christians ought not speak that way is what I'm trying to tell you. It's not, it's not becoming of a Christian. And it, may be, it might draw a smile, it might draw a laugh from conservatives and people like myself and so forth, but it shouldn't. We should uh, be careful with our speech. We should uh, use right words and so forth and uh, let our speech always be seasoned with grace and love. Gary Chapman wrote the book in 1992, The Five Love Languages. And he spoke to how, how we resolve to love. Love when you don't feel like it. Love is action, love is doing. Uh, the, the Five Love Languages, words of affirmation. Speak a good word, or a good word spoken to people is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. We speak good words to people. We, we build up people. That's, I always build up my grandkids, of course, and uh, the, my girls, all, all, eight of my grandgirls are the cutest girls that ever lived, of course, when uh, Grandpa talks to them, well, obviously. And they are. And, uh, but give them words of affirmation. Uh, number two, uh, quality time. Spending time, it was said that Jonathan Edwards spent an hour every night. He was a great theologian, of course, obviously, who become the president of what we know of today as Princeton University, obviously, and, and uh, a true scholar in every sense of the word, of course, studied 12, 14 hours a day for his messages and so forth. But he spent an hour a day before supper praying or uh, visiting with his children, his 11 children that he had. And, and uh, praying with them every, every night, seven nights a week. He made sure he did that. And uh, quality time, receiving gifts, a third love language. And uh, some people are better at giving gifts than others. But uh, as part of the Christian, we're, we're to be given to charity, given to love and so forth. And be a giver. Don't All, all your life, learn to be a giver. It's part of the uh, language of love. Acts of service. If you love me, keep my commandments, the Bible says, and be, be in service to the Lord and service to others. The key to joy, remember, Jesus first, others, yourself last. And lastly, of course, the physical touch. And, and just to run a fast rabbit trail here, just for a, a sidebar here, but it's such a shame that thanks to the culture that we live in, we've got to be careful with uh, touching even little children, of course, and so forth. I think... It's, I think uh, I was in public school so long ago that uh, teachers were allowed to hug their students and so forth. And, and uh, now, now you've got to be careful that you don't t- put your hands on, a, especially a man putting their hands on a girl, of course, and so forth. But a loving touch, obviously. 
but just resolve to have Jesus be your joy, your number one joy, your only joy, your all your joy. Resolve, number two, to love with, that love will be your language of speech, your love, language of action, your language of uh, in, in time spent with people and so forth. Number three, I am resolved, make mercy to be, that mercy will be my attitude. Uh, his mercy is everlasting. Now that's for the Christian. Resolve to be merciful to others as the Lord is merciful to you. I wanted to turn to Matthew chapter 18. In fact, just turn there. Just uh, let's take time out here. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Just, just glance at the passage. I'm not going to take the time to read it all, but in chapter 18, verse number 23. And this is the parable of the unjust steward here, or the... Uh, As soon as I find where Matthew went. <laughs> Matthew 18, verse 23 through 35. It's a long passage. But the Lord says, is the, verse 23, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which took account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him who owed him 10,000 talents. And of course, he couldn't pay it. I'm starting to paraphrase. And uh, he fell down and asked the Lord to, and he worshipped him and asked the Lord to have patience with him. And the Lord forgave him of all his debt. Remember the story. And then we go on and the, 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 another servant came and that same servant that was forgiven 10,000 talents found somebody that owned him 50 talents or just a pittance, 100 talents, I guess, 100 pence rather. Uh, one, I forget, 46,000 of what he owned, something like that. And uh, he, he had no mercy on him. And... Uh, Resolve to have mercy on others as you would have, you would love to have the Lord have mercy on you. Uh, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. I got to be, I got to be honest with you. And there's, there's something to imprecatory prayers. We have some in Psalms, but uh, many times I want to see God to destroy my enemies, destroy those enemies of the, the gospel of Christ and so forth. But the Bible says, love your enemies. Jesus says, pray for them to despitefully use you. And so we need to pray for our enemies. It's part of mercy. Uh, forgive as we've been forgiven, Ephesians 4.32. And be kind, tenderhearted one to another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And then, of course, uh, towards the unsaved, Paul said in Romans 10.1, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel that they might be saved. He said, I could wish myself accursed in chapter 9 of Romans uh, from Christ, for my kinsmen, my brethren in the flesh, that they might be saved. And uh, so we pray for mercy for those that are not saved. Pray, uh, what's our attitude towards sinners? Even those that are named in the name of Christ that uh, messed up. And uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday or Monday, I guess it was, and uh, you wouldn't know, Sonny would be the only one that would know, but somebody that has named the name of Christ. And this person is no doubt a Christian. I'm totally convinced of it. They've received Christ as their Savior, but they've messed up in their life pretty good, pretty big time, to be honest with you. They've made some big, life-changing decisions in their life or they walked away from God for a time and it's cost them dearly. And I could look at them and we could look at them and with, with, with judgment and say, well, you got what you deserved. In some ways, from a human standpoint, I suppose they did get what they deserved. There's the law of sowing and reaping. But there's also the law of kindness and mercy. And God, God gave mercy. And so resolve to live a life uh, showing mercy like Lord Jesus Christ showed mercy, of course. And, and uh, 
And he was God of love, of course. And then number four, a, f- a f- simple resolve, decide to be f- have faithfulness, de- de- decide that faithfulness will be my aim. Let me give you some verses. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Uh, most of us, myself, uh, near the top of the list here, uh, we'll, I'll never be, I think everybody in this room will admit we'll never be, we'll never be famous. Uh, we'll never be flamboyant or flashy or, in my case, funny or anything like that. But we may not be any of those things. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those things per se. But we can all be faithful. And God's called us to be faithful. Proverbs 20, verse 6 Bible says, most men will claim every man his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Moses was faithful in, in all his house, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 2. Moses was knocked down. We preached about him on Sunday and uh, met the Lord the last two weeks. He was at the burning bush with the Lord, of course. And, uh, and uh, then he, of course, was in front of Pharaoh. And he said, who am I that I should go in front of Pharaoh, of course? And he had some humility and maybe some false humility, of course. But he, he wasn't, didn't think of himself of anything, but he could be found faithful. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 20, that a faithful man shall abound with blessings. So every Christian in this room, you can be found faithful. And when you fall, you plead the blood of Christ, you get back up again and, and uh, go on for Christ, knowing that he's forgiving us completely and we get a new start. His mercies are new every morning, Lamentation says. And so we can be faithless. Let that be your aim. Uh, faithful to the end. Faithful unto death. That's my prayer, that I might be faithful unto death uh, or until the Lord comes. Number five, a fifth resolution. Truth will be my fuel. Truth. Psalm 119 and verse 160, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The word of God is true, let, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. We believe God's word to be God's word, every word of it. We believe when man's word is, contradicts God's word, we believe God's word, of course. And truth is under assault in America, and for that matter, around the world, I'm sure. The world is changing the truth of God, according to Romans chapter 1, into a lie. They're worshiping the creature more than the creator. And I have to admit, sometimes it feels like we're losing the battle. Uh, I was talking to some uh, preacher friend of mine not too long ago, of course, a younger preacher, and they think I'm an old preacher now. <laughs> and uh, pastored 36 years, and, and uh, they, they think I'm one of the older guys now, which is scary to me. But anyhow, uh, they, uh, we were talking about how it used to be in the 80s and 90s and preaching and so forth, and uh, what God did in our church and in many churches across America and around the world, of course, for that matter, and uh, still doing some great work in churches. But uh, uh, that was in 1990 and 1985 and 95 and what have you. And uh, now here we are in 2021 and COVID's hit and, and winter's hit and uh, apathy's hit. And uh, the Church of Jesus Christ it seems to be so lethargic. But then it seems like we're losing the battle and our young people are getting out of churches and so forth. But truth in the end, truth always wins. And remember that. And we're on the winning side. And uh, resolve that you can stand on the winning side even when you feel like you're losing. And the word of God is still potent and still powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So get your fuel from the word of God, from the truth of the word of God. It's still true. Jesus is still coming again. 
Then number, number six here, number five, truth will be my fuel, but number six, gentle will be my actions. Gentle. We, have a, we serve a gentle shepherd, don't forget. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And then we could go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Can, do you, do you know, know them with me? Can you say it? Love, joy, peace, goodness, or long-suffering. You're right. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, or meekness, temperance. But uh, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, or faith, meekness, and temperance, rather, self-control. God's called us to be gentle and not, not bruise the... Not uh, shear the sheep, be careful. Uh, it's as a shepherd. Uh, the sheep, I understand, the sheep get sheared just, one, I think, once a year. Maybe, maybe it's twice a year, but it's, it's only once or twice a year do sheep get sheared. God's called us to be gentle uh, one to another. We serve a, he leads us by the still waters. He restores our soul. He's a good shepherd. And then number seven, and this is where I really want to encourage you. Maybe you've been living for the Lord a long time. Janet, if I could pick on you for a moment. Janet's been living for the Lord for a long time now. And uh, I won't say how old she is. I think she's 39 for the 39th time, something like that. And, uh, but she's been serving the Lord a long time now. And loves the Lord. And no time to give up on serving the Lord now. Let's, let's, let's uh, resolve that God's glory will be my goal. Let me give you two verses and the application will be done here tonight. But... Ephesians 1.12, the Bible says, drawing a mental blank, what it says, that we should be to the praise of his glory. I didn't write it down. <laughs> that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. We're, we're called to be, created to be to the praise of his glory. We're created to give him glory for the rest of our life and to enjoy him forever. In Colossians 3.17, of course, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And what say we do in word and deed, do all to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so live our life to give him glory. I'd like to sing a song here in just a moment here. We'll sing, uh, uh, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. It was written by Palmer Hartzog. I know some of these places where he, Palmer Hartzog grew up at. He grew up in uh, Michigan near Pastor Rich Zavatsky, as a matter of fact. And uh, his mother's name, just a little... Trivia, I thought his mother's name was Thankful. His daddy's name was Wells. Wells and Thankful Hartzog. And uh, he was born on May 7th, 17, 1844 in Redford, Michigan. And uh, his dad was high, highly involved with the Michigan Baptist Convention. In 1856, he moved to Plymouth, Michigan, and then he moved around to Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee. Eventually ended up in Rock Island, Illinois. I've been there. We used to live near Rock Island many years ago now, in 1877, and he got involved uh, as a music director at the local Baptist church. Then he moved to Cincinnati, and uh, he was there for a number of years with the Fillmore Brothers. You may recognize that name from the hymn book, of course, and uh, you see the name Fillmore in some of our hymns of the faith, of course. And they teamed up, and they, they wrote, you say, I, I, if you've been in Christianity a long time, if you look at the hymn book and see the authors, 
you'll see Hartzog's name a lot. He wrote over a thousand hymns, not as many as Fanny Crosby, but he wrote this wonderful song, I Am Resolved No Longer to Linger. He, became, he was a layman for most of his life. He lived to be 88 years of age, uh, but he became a pr- prolific, uh, first a songwriter and then a music director. And then he went into full-time evangelistic song leading in, near the end of his life. And when he was in, let's see, 1914, he began a Baptist church in Ontario, Michigan at the age of 70, 70 years and pastored it for 13 more years. Uh, he never married. He had two, he was, uh, he was uh, kind, he had two sisters and he wrote them every week of his life, his entire life. He was married to the Lord, so to speak, and he lived for the Lord all his life. And he wrote that wonderful song. Take your hymn book and turn to 343, if you would, please. And I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these ever learned my sight. And uh, we'll we'll sing here just a minute. I just want to look at the words here and we'll sing. But I I think of the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, another great song. And it says... uh, they're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, uh, you know, it's, I know many people feel this, feel, feel this way tonight here across churches in Connecticut and so forth. Wednesday nights are going by the wayside. Prayer meetings are lower than ever before, and it's, it's cold outside. It's winter. It's COVID. It's all these things here, and we, we, we get away from the things of God, and we, it's so easy it's so easy to quit something. It's so easy, so hard to get something started again. It's so hard to get your engine up and running again and get on fire for the Lord again. It's easy to put out a fire. It's hard to get a fire going. And uh, what page did I say that was? 243. 243. I'm looking at, okay, I need to help myself. Look at these wonderful words here of Palmer Hartzog. I am resolved no longer to linger. Charmed by the world's delight, things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. And this resolving is not like going back to Jonathan Edwards' resolves. He said he read them every week of his life. Why? Because it's so easy for the fire to go out again. So easy to lose our love, our first love, as the church at Ephesus. So easy to then Jesus, then other people replace our joy other than Jesus. And we'll, we'll fail in our joy, we'll be disappointed in our or we lose our love language if we get out of the Bible and, and we need to come back to these things over and over again. The, the song says, things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. Verse 2, I have resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he has the words of, he hath the words of life. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth. He is living way. In verse 4, I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still I will enter in. He said, foes may beset me. And back to Edward's words for the last time here, the synopsis of his resolves. If no one, no one else does, no one else lives for God, I still will. Keep on living for the Lord. Let's all stand together. Let's sing all four verses here and we'll close in a word of prayer here tonight here. 243, Brother Dave will.